0: Okay, for TV show Tuesday, which is what I'm calling this now, we are going to talk about Lucy Ubala. If you want to hear true creepy things Tuesday, go to my Patreon. You'll find it there. Call Uniquely You Always, Sweetie ums Podcast. Okay, we love Lucy, her life, legacy, and love. Now she was a TV star, from what I remember. She was in I Love Lucy. Um, why we all love Lucy, Lucille Ball was a Hollywood giant who blazed a trail for women in front of and behind the camera, and boy did she make us laugh. The sixty-four members of St. Louis Drum and bugle corps made a formidable sight, marching with their trumpets, trombones, drums, and flags. The New York, New Jersey band blazed through the Hollywood, USA section of New York World's Fair. But the fire engine red wings they were hinted that they would be more to the show than just music on the August day in 1964, for behind them, seated atop, a white, charitable, blue Lucille Ball, the red-head centerpiece of Lucille Ball Day, the fiery, fiery day-long feat for America's most Christmas beloved comedians, Lucia, waved and threw kisses, delighting the, lady, the, the throne snapping her picture people were so thrilled to be in her presence and she thrilled to a crowd says Kathleen, Kathleen Brady author of Lucille: the life of Lucia Ball the TV star pressed her hands in wet concrete at a replica of German Chinese theater visited a Lucia Lu at the Hawaiian pavilion and changed outfits a numerous of times during her visit to the World's Fair. That was the thing about Lucia. She had always needed people, said Brett Brady. When popular, CBS News anchor Jim Jensen asked the star if she planned to sing one of, sign one of her wigs down by the high school marching band, she responded without missing a beat. Gosh no, do you think my hair is really that color? Nearly seven decades later, Lucia Ball, audience still thrills, to the common, outrageous, artful and defleet plan punchline. She's been called a marker sister and madcap sibling of Gruntschel Harper and Chicago and a comedic genius in the company of Chaplin, Caden, and Laurel and Harley. Gee, some of these names are hard to say. She touched audiences and Rack them up by portraying every woman with phantoms, like Lucia Richards, the middle-class housewife, who yarned for glitterly fame. debuted in 1950. F- s- more, Monsieur ball, s- sissy, s- 1960. At the time. I Love Lucy show came to an end. She began her life without Disa. Disa? Diesa. Daisa. Thousands thrilled to see their favorite star at the New York World's Fair on Lucia Ball Day, august thirty first, nineteen sixty-four. Women on TV were primarily dressed. Their formative moms, American society back then largely found on women who pursued careers and sought to make a spectacle of themselves. Even on I Love Lucy, the main character's husband, played by Lucia Ball's real spouse, Cuban born Ballin leader Desa Orans longed for a wife who would stay at home and care for the kids, not one who breamed with ambition and could never escape a life of cooking and cleaning. Instead, Lucia seemed genetically programmed to tilt endlessly at society constraints with her restless search for fame, while viewers knew that every one of her schemes to make it big would come crashing down. It didn't matter, they just couldn't stop cheering her on laughing and having a ball. Yet the show and several Lucia, Lucy sequels proved to be, be both groundbreaking and decimally feminist. They presumably included storylines dealing with issues like maternal tension, pregnancy, parenthood, women in the workplace, and the commonly felt augs of suburban life. Lucy and her neighbor Ethel Ethel, presented a humorous yet realistic and loving female friendship. She showed me that female buddies like Lucy and Ethel were just as important and appealing as male buddies like Bob Ho- Hope and Bing Cosby, says Brady. Lucia Richards, though, was not Lucia Ball. Whereas one was a starry-eyed optimist, the other was a clear-eyed sh- driver, The actress with the baby blues dyed ragered in hair an infectious laugh who paid her dues by taking whatever parts Hollywood's st- statued doled out. Her f- Furious work ethic, intelligence, and vision could not be contained. Bulge, timing, and masterly wit with she unveiled in her movie and polished to perfection on TV—were unique. There is never, ha- there has never been since, a character or show quite like hers. Even so, traces of Lucy's comic DNA can be. Detected in such programs as The Reese Company, Everybody Loves Layman, Steinfeld, Ellen, and Will and Grace. Beyond her on air brilliance, Ball was the co founder with Arson of Dallas Productions, which Revulsion. Television, I Love Lucy introduced the use of the multi camera format for filming and the live studio audience. Both of these interventions became industry standards, without which, such sitcoms as The Honeymooners, Cheers, The Big Bang Theory, and countless others would have been very different shows. Daylis also pioneered another sample of TV as we know it, the reruns. Soon after Lucia split from Deus in 1960 and assumed the controlling interest in Diaz, she crashed through another ceiling. As the studio president, she became the first woman to own and run a major modern Hollywood production studio, and she successfully threw gumption and smart she ignored the advice of others and gave the green light to what would become such enduring and influential shows as mission possible star trek really star trek that's so funny i ju- oh excuse me i just started watching it and i haven't quite got it yet but they have like lots of spin-off lots of like it's like that show is still on till 2022 that just proves like that is pretty big like that's huge personally and by example her career in front of the behind the camera in movies and on television has inspired generations of television has inspired generations of female performers and businesswomen alike, from Carl Burnett, Lily Tommen, Candace Bargen, Sherry, Deborah, Tina Fey, Amy Schooner, and many more. As her friend Burnett noted, she opened those doors for women to accept as executives. On the summer day in 1964, when they see visit the World's Fair, the star watched complication of her work debut in Japanese, French, German, and Spanish. Completion. <coughs> mm. Sorry, I have allergies. <coughs> mm. Okay. Where was I? Completion. In mm. Uh, okay. The Globe appeared of her nineteen fifties hit show and its sequel, The Lucy Show, which could be seen in forty four countries today more than thirty years after her death, and seven days seven decades after I Love Lucy first appear aired. The serious ball of work is still on your pies, available online and on T V for devotees to enjoy and viewers to joyless discover. As fans say every minute of the day, somewhere someone is watching I Love Lucy and why not? She's easy to love. Ooh, there's something up here. Through this arch at 10 a.m. Will pass the world's most beloved Redhead Lucia Ball, star of the I Love Lucy show, for her celebration of Lucia Day starring at Hollywood USA, 10.30 a.m. Enjoy America's favorite coffee. Oh, moments. Some facts about pandas. The Bamboo Bear. It was once thought that the giant panda might be related to the raccoon. However, scientists have since proven that it is a member of the bear family. The giant panda is officially classed as a carnivore, meat eater, though its diet is more likely that of an armivore, plant eater. The vast variety of a giant panda's diet consists of bamboo due to an effective Decidive system they need to eat large qualities to get the nutrients they need. A giant panda can spend 14 hours a day eating and will typically eat 11 to 18 kg in one day 99% of this bamboo. But they will also eat fish, eggs, and small animals if the opportunity arises. In the wild, giant pandas are territorial and generally solitary animals. Let's see if we have an ad break for today, our sponsor. Ad break, ad break, ad break, ad break. Sponsor, 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 sponsor. And before we go to ad breaks or sponsors, let's get a little bit of a... Continue with Lucy See Ball, or I Love Lucy, Star Lucy. Unforgettable moments with Lucia Ball, I Love Lucy Star, the redhead everyone loved. From 1951 to 1957, America who tuned into I Love Lucy were treated to a half hour of unburning joy through the antics of Lucy and Richard. Richie, Richard, and their neighbors, Awful and Fred. Here are a few highlights. Job Searching. Season two, September 15th, 1952. The Richards and Martez decide that the man and the woman should swap roles. So while Richard and Fred stay at home, where they fail miserably, as house husbands, Lucy and Ethel take jobs, creamy candy kitchen they don't fear much they don't fare much better and at the end of the day are assigned to the candy wrapping department there the stern supervisor played by Alina Alman Aliva Alman warns them if one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped your father. He has to say Lucy and Ethel can't keep up with the oh, conveyor. Well, and restore to stuffing candy in their mouths, blouses and hats to prepare for the episode. The actress trained at Seas Candies in Los Angeles. I remember that episode because a lot of people like Drake and Josh did an episode and a few others so like you've seen it if you haven't seen that like I didn't realize that's where it came from season 3 March 29th 1954 Lucia is green with envy after she learns that wealthy former classmate Cynthia Harcourt is in town and raising money for charity when Cynthia hits Lucy up for a donation Lucy puts on airs and she and Ethel unwillingly pledge to donate five, not realizing that they each are committing to $500 each. Needing to make a quick buck, they take part in a public stunt for a movie. Women from Mars, dressed as invaders from the Red Planet, they showed up at the top of the Empire State Building, speaking gibberish, terrifying tourists from Kansas make the papers and earn 1,000 greenback. Mars had become a source of both wonder and fear during this period, with such films as the War of Worlds, Invaders from Mars, and Aben and Cecil go to Mars appear the year before. Oh, this one is funny. This is the... I've seen other places do this one too. Okay, Lucia, Italy movie, season five, episode, season 5, April 6, 1956. While visiting Rome, Lucia auditions for the film Bitter Grapes. Believing the movie is about wine making, she heads to the town of Toro to learn traditional methods there she climbs into a vat with a seasoned grape slumber. Lucia starts practicing prancing around the vat and accidentally stumbles into the other women who take offense and shove Lucia in return. The women wrestle and before long they are stained red. Once the fight started the ladies was bent on drowning me in the water that filled the bottom of the vat. Recall a ball of the shot, which got out of hand. To create the scene, Lucia crew cr- cr- used grape it by California viners. The Lucia Ball, Season 1, February 18, 1952. Ricky is looking for a new act for her show, and of course Lucia wants to perform, hoping to get a part in a ballet skit. She heads to a dance school to practice her pliés, and she is put through the paces by Madame Lemonade. Lemonade? Lemonade. Not surprisingly, when see attempts to practice on the bar, she becomes impossibly untwined. Lemonade was played by Mary Wickers, Wright, who had identically been considered for the role of Ethel and would guest star on Lucy's later shows as Lucy Ryder Melanie Pudge No When Mary came on, you knew you were in for a lot of laughs Lucia Ball Season 6, March 4, 1954 the Richard and Martez have moved to the country and Richie is surprised by a high cost of living. Hoping to make some extra money, Lucy exclaims, we could raise things. Chickens, for instance, which Fred knows about from having grown up on a farm. Lucy and Ethel buy 500 <laughs> chickens <laughs> before Fred has finished the hen house, so they decide to keep them inside. It's not long before the chickens completely take over. The episode was inspired by the chickens that Lucia and Days kept in the backyard. They were the oldest chickens in the world, recalled Pug. One day Lucy got up and did it her impression of her older old chickens. We remember it and used it in this episode. It's kinda of funny. Okay. The Freezer, Season 1, April 28th, 1954, 2. Upset oh, that the cost of bacon has risen to 79 cents a pound. <coughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just laughed because that... Oh my... She would not have liked 2022's money. Oh wow. Like, how everything is even like the dollar store is now done a little or 25 cent store. Most things are like over the price. Even two books cost more than $40 nowadays. Gas prices are so high, people are debating if they should even have cars. It's so many cents, it's just kind of funny because that seems cheap to me. And back then it probably wasn't. It's just so funny. And I don't eat meat, so I don't really know. So, Lucia decides it would be better to buy meat in bulk. As it happens, Ethel is able to get a free walk-in freezer from her Uncle Oscar, and retired butcher. They install the enormous appliance in the basement. When Lucy accidentally orders 700 pounds of meat, the women become desperate to hide their mistake from their husbands. While trying to move all the beef out of the freezer, Lucia gets trapped inside and in no time is chocked in frost. Dr. Jess Oppenor came up with the story idea when he noticed magazines and newspapers ads for such appliances that in ice ice were fashioned by makeup artists. Hal can who would work with Lucia in to the 1970s it is just kind of funny. Lucy does a tv commercial season one May 5th 1952. Lucia lands a gig as a pitch woman for one of Richie's tv episodes. The show's sponsors is the Tonic oh Vitamin bacon? I couldn't even spell this. This is so bad. V-I-T-A-M-E-A-T-A-V-E-G-A-M-I-N, known to Lucy, the energy elixir, contains 23% alcohol and she prefers take after take of the commercial. Hmm. She- I don't know that. No one asked you anything. I didn't even use her name. What's really on? She goes from behind visual to loopy. The concept of the skit was borrowed from Red Skeleton, who had performed it in Vandal and performed it in the 1945 film Zulfrode Files, in which he co-starred with Lucy. Yeah, I think that's nice if do spit takes now. They go spit it out. That's why they tell you to spit it out, because you're doing take after take after take after take after take. Lucy and the Loving Cup. Season 6, January seventh, nineteen 1957. In his spare time, Daz bred racehorses, and for his episode, he invited the triple crown winning jockey, John Legend, to guest star. In the sketch, Ricky plans to present a Loving Cup trophy to... Lucy is excited about attending the banquet and rushes out to buy a new outfit. But when Richie sees her hat, he makes fun of it, commenting that she would look better wearing the trophy. Lucy jokingly puts the loving cup on her head where it becomes hopelessly stuck. With little time before the banquet is to begin, she and Ethel race to a silversmith shop to have the trophy removed. The quickest way there is by subway and during the trip, Lucy loses Ethel, and the scene called for a lot of extras, many of whom can be seen chuckling at the star's antics uh, because she has to wear something over like her head because she doesn't want people to see her like that. It is kind of funny. Wishing upon a star, Lucia Ball came to Hollywood in 1933 determined to make it in the movies. She worked hard, harder than most any other actor or actress and appeared in scores of films. By the 1940s, she was America's undisputed queen of the the B-movies. But she wanted more, much more. Okay, Okay. we're continuing with Lucia Ball right now. Let's get to it and let's do it. I can find the page I was on. Ah, here we go. We are ready. Lucia arrived in Hollywood, a wide eyed hopeful with platinum blonde hair, having dyed her chestnut brown locks when she worked as a high fashion model in New York. Ah, so her hair was naturally chestnut brown. I think. Lucille Richards and her friend Ethel and Fred Martez are in Los Angeles at the legendary Brown Derby restaurant. They are hoping to catch a glimpse of the movie star and every time they hear an actor's name mentioned, they jump up to look around. A waiter ushers William Holland to his seat in the adjustable booth. He is Lucy's favorite actor and her con starring causes the Catimore war warning singer to turn the tables and instantly stare back. This so unsettling Lucy that she decides to leave. But as she gets up, she bumps into a waiter and the pie he is carrying lands squarely in Holland's face. After Holland returns to the studio to clean up, he is introduced to Lucy's husband, Richard who is preparing to film his new movie, Don June. Unaware of what happened at the restaurant, he invites Holland to his hotel to meet Lucy. When a horrified Lucy learns that Holland is in the room, she disguises herself by fashioning a large nose from putty. The material thought is flammable and catches fire when Holland lights his cigarette, cigarette? Only then does he realize that she is the woman at the restaurant. So as not to embarrass her in front of Richie, the gentleman landing man acts like nothing had happened and claims that when he saw her at the restaurant he simply asked the Head waiter, who was the bill for Red since he wanted to tell her that she should be in movies. Lucia cried out, You are just wonderful. Kisses him and probably faints. Soon after Lucia was born in Jamestown, New York in 1911, her family moved to Michigan where her father Henry worked as a phone company lineman. Henry died in 1915, and Lucia, opposite at the, about six months old, uh, her mother Dee Dee then returned to Jamestown. As a teenager, Lucy moved to New York and found work as a model for Harriet Corrigan's high-end boutique here. Lucy then headed to Hollywood, appearing in 1933's Roman Scandals, um, the part that launched her film career. Five years later, she landed a plum role in Stage Door Bottom. Okay. Stage Door, starring Catherine Herb, Ginger Rogers, Alfred Marger, with Girl. Okay. Okay, let's continue. For the millions turning in each Monday night to watch I Love Lucy and favor the giddy travelers of the future housewife who acts like- uh, who aches for life and show such high jinks were the pinnacle of a TV-watching week. There simply wasn't anyone else like Lucy. Richard on TV in the 1950s, Lucia Ball, the actress who played her and who had labored in Hollywood for more than two decades, was not the biggest thing on the small screen, but had become a big star as movies legends like John Wayne, Rock Henderson, and Orson Welles, all of whom vied for a cameo on her show. For an actress who from an early age had dreams of life beyond the confines of her town, hometown, her moments had arrived. Born on August 6, 1911 in Jamestown, New York, Lucia Derisa Ball was the first child of Henry Doral Ball and Derisa Hunt. Henry worked as a Lion Man for the Michigan Bell Telephone Company and the Riser, who was known as Dee Dee, was a pianoist. Lucy loved her parents and enjoyed roughhousing with her dad, but he died of thyroid fever in February 1915, shortly after the family had resettled in Wyandotte. Michigan, as DDA widow at 22 and pregnant, desperately tried to have her husband's remains prepared for the trip back home to Jamestown. She sought help from her grocer who agreed to watch after her daughter. The bubbled, blue eyed, three year old child became the star attraction at Mr. Flowers Market. He let me prance up and down his counters, receiving little pieces my parents had thought, taught me. Lucia recalls years later my favorite was hearing a frog run when I hopped up and down, harping. Then i gracefully accept the pennies or cards, Mr. Flowers' consumers would give me my first professional applause. Back in Jamestown, Lucy and Dee Dee moved in with Dee Dee's parents. Fred and Flora Hunt and Fred and Fl- Flora Hunt and that July, the young widow gave birth to a son. Frankie Henry, Lucy and her brother, remained with their grandparents when Dee, Dee fell into a deep depression and moved out of the house. When she eventually remarried to Ed Patterson, a sheet metal farmer who decided did not want children, he and Dee, Dee moved to Detroit to find work. Once again, Lucy was left behind, this time with Peterson's strained parents. Lucy's happiness memories began at age 12 when Grandpa Fred bought a house in a tiny suburb of Jameson Town, returning the whole family, including Lucia's aunt, Laura, and three-year-old cousin, Chloe. We all worked all the time, and we had chickens and penguins and pigs, and Lucy kept track of the house and all of the cleaning and some of the cooking, said Brother Fred. Bossy she was. In charge she was. Times were tough, but when not working, or at school, Lucy would lead Fred and Chloe in sh- staging little dramas and comedies for anyone who would watch. Bidden by the acting bug, Lucy performed in school plays and at the urging of her stepfather tried out and won a place in the choir of the summer performance of the nearby C-H-A-U-T-A-U-Q-U-A instructions and a small part in musical at the Jamestown Menace Club. Lucy thought dreamed of larger stages beyond those of western New York. Determined to launch her acting career, she made numerous trips to Manhattan in hopes of landing parts in Villas, Vendolos, and on Broadway. Didi was not thrilled when her daughter's efforts and sought to stop her acting as a large teenager. Undetermined, Lucy would continue her quest, too. Lucia fourth from the Left joined a 1934 charity event when she, as a member of the Golden Golden Girls played a mock polo match against the Brunette Paramount Venture Girls. The sportswomen used broomsticks in place of polo sticks and donkeys as their mounts. This page, Lucy was a child learned to walk on stilts, made her way around the RKO studio. Speed limit five miles per hour, no exceptions. Okay, let see. Lucia above, four from the left. One, two, three, four. Looks like she's like in a little for my other uh, playing room is that's so interesting. Okay. Ah uh, boy. If I'd been tested, I probably would have never gotten it because I wasn't beautiful stopping or any of the things these girls wore. Lucia on her first day on the set of 1933's Roman Scandal. Lucia in 1938 horned her timing on the radio program like the Phil Baker show, a variety show that's where the comic and according Baker's presented skits music and what? Let's continue. That was really weird. Really weird. Okay. Breaking the showbiz when she was 15, the high school arrived in New York City with a suitcase of $50 (laughs) sewn into her underwear. There, she enrolled in the Robert Mountain John Army Addison School of Drama. Wow, that is a name. But she didn't last long. According to her instructor, she couldn't dance or even speak properly. All I learned in drama school was how to be frightened Lucy recalled, the rejection only steeled her determination and she continued making the 40 miles trip for Jameson to try out for parts in Broadway shows and Ziegfeld's flossy style music revenue. Fortunately, she was tall, pretty, and wildly, and had in the ergo of Broadway a great set of gams." That's kind of funny. Kind of weird. Really? Gams? Gams? It's like, what? Lakes? I think? I have no idea. It's just a funny word. Gams. <laughs> Sometimes I'm such a child because that is hilarious. to I me. Mean. Okay. Uh, eventually she landed a job as a mannequin for con- container haiti corrigan the high-end dressmaker bleached lucy's chestnut brown hair showed her how to strike an elegant pose and taught her to behave with class lucy soon won a modeling gig as a chestnut field girl from the popular cigar company with her image featured in magazine ads and towering on a times square board she attracted the attention of a talent agent who sent her to hollywood the movie muggle Samuel Goldwyn was preparing Roman Scandal, a nineteen thirty three musical fair starring Eddie Contern and he needed a dozen pretty young actresses to play sleazy girls. Lucy got a part, but admit it if I don't if I if I'd been tested I probably would never have gotten it because I wasn't beautiful. Zaffing and any of the things these girls wore. Clutching her six week contract, Lucy arrived at Samuel Goldman Productions. There she was handed a bathing suit, and as the five foot seven hundred and eleven pound performer fear, she found herself surrounded by voluntist models. Needing to be noticed, she took some creepy paper for her purse and placed pieces on her face. When Kenner saw her, he couldn't stop laughing. Bros. Room Service I have no idea why my thing is freaking me out right now, but that's a whole different story. Okay. Even so, she learned the ins and outs of Hollywood and took whatever work she could find. She appeared that same year in Broadway through a keyhole and blood Mary, and one golden execution note. She was one of the dozen of girls at the studio waiting for the opportunity. The difference was that she was a worker. That and Jesus that what energy eager to have her family with her Lucy sent for Dee Dee, Fred, and her grandfather in the spring of 1934, hoping for more than an uncredited part. She signed with Columbia Pictures and earned a role in 1934's The Little Pigskins. I didn't know what I was getting into, she said, of the Three Stooges rug, slapstick Fear, which included the trio of Larry, Curly, and Moe hitting her with pies and dousing her with salsa, but the comic abuse paid off with her first film credit. When Columbia cut back on its contract, Lucy moved to RKO Pictures, appearing in 1935's *Reberta* and 1936's Flower, The Fleet with Ginger Rogers and Fred, Rogers found Lucy to be a laugh a minute, and Lucy honored her craft at the time Lucy honored her craft at the acting school run by Roger's mother, Leah. Lucy's facility with comedy brought her strings of stock Hollywood parts. Nothing was beneath me, she admitted. I'd scream, I'll yell, I'll run through the set. I'll wear stringy clothes. It worked for Lily Pons, Jacks. Lucia in Pink started opposite the Mark Brothers and Ann Miller in 1938's Rome Service, in which she played Christina Marlowe as an aspiring actress, helping Gertrude stage the play Hall and Farewell. Two years later, she played a Drew Star named Bubbles and Dance Girl dance with Louis and Mary above Rick. Oki and Jeannie Raymond 1936 film That Girl from Paris got poor reviews. The New York Daily Mirror favorably signed at Signal Out Lucy. Miss Ball plays it quite straight in testifying the com- comedy of each disaster. She rates thereby more conspiracy role, conspicuous roles and more intense promotions. She is a comedy medium which is always fun. Find. She was soon leading the life of a successful actress, earning a thousand dollars a week, dating such actors as Jack Crawford and was named Best Dressed Girl in Town. Lucia's big break came with 1937's stage door. She nabbed the role of Judy Canfield, the wisecracking member of a group of aspiring actresses, and appeared alongside Katherine Hartburn, Alfred, and Rogers. This led to a part in room service with the Marx Brothers and leads and Go Chase Yourself, The Affairs of Annabelle, Beauty from Askin. Since Lucia couldn't get cast in the previous pictures she craved, the woman dubbed the queen of the B-movie starring started doing radio work with Jack Haley, the Wizard of Oz Tin Man on his wonder show and with Phil Baker on the Phil Baker show, she later acknowledged that the medium of radio helped her shape her skills. This gave me a name in the trade as a good venom foil. I could flip a comedy line, which a lot of the actresses couldn't do. In radio I couldn't depend on props or commust costumes, or makeup. I had to rely on timing and tone of voice for comedic effects, and this was invaluing training. While she was on a visit to New York, friends suggest she take in the popular Richard Mm -hmm. Rodgers' Lunar's Heart musical Too Many Girls. She found herself unimpressed by the show, but she couldn't help but notice a performer on the stage named Diaz. Diaz played the part of Manuelito, M A N U E L I G O, a football player. The moment he started singing, Tempt Me Not, Lucia Mid, I couldn't take my eyes off the Diaz. Arn's striped football jersey hugged his big shoulder. Sanchez while those narrow hips and tight football pants swayed to catchy rhymes of the bongo drums he was carrying. I recognized the kind of electrifying charm that could that can never be faked. Star quality. Lucy toyed with the idea of arranging a meeting with Diaz but instead headed back to Hollywood. There she started filming Dance Girls Dance with Maria O'Hara. In it, Ball played Bubbles, a tough burlesque dancer. She also landed a part of Connie, a wealthy code. In the movie, Various of Too Many Girls, George Abbott had been picked to direct, and when Lucia saw him in the studio, she went over to say hello. Diaz was there, too, repeating the role he had played on the Broadway. The director introduced his two stars. Neither looked their best. Lucy a Grungy gold Lyman dress, sported a fake black eye that the makeup department had applied for a fighting scene. Diaz had dirt all over him from his shot. Shoot, he found his new colleague unimpressive, saying she looks like a two-doll whore who had been badly beaten up by her pimp. But after Ball and Diaz cleaned up, Diaz was stunned when he spotted her at rehearsal. Man, that is a hunk of a woman, he said to a colleague. She sure doesn't look anything like she. Lucia she fell in love with him and his accent and his dark, dark beauty fellow actor Johns of Lucy and Diaz meeting on the set of 1940's Too Many Girls. Lucia and Diaz met during the filming of the 1940 movie Too Many Girls opposite with Ann Miller. Two years later Lucy appeared at Gloria in the big street. Here she is seen in rehearsal in which Lucie gave what she saw as her best performance. Life magazine was Summarily impressed, writing Ball's performance is superb, the girl can really act. Okay. Did this morning. At the dinner for the cast and crew at a Mexican restaurant that evening, Diaz and Lucy split off from the rest of the bunch and chatted quietly while the others headed to the dance floor, as co-star Ann Miller noted, it was like the instant kiss doll, you know, instant love. Diaz Alberto Anorres Diacho the third was born in San Diego, Santiago, Cuba. Wow, I can't pronounce anything. On March 2nd, 1970, the son of a wealthy politician and doctor the family-owned ranches and his grandfather confounded the Braham rum Distill. Dio's father planned for his son to follow him into medicine. But in 1933, Sagernit Francisco Barso seized control of Cuba in a military Diaz's father was briefly jailed and soon blend his family into exile in Florida. Life there proved hard for the Andres. Dia's are money cleaning. Canning cages. And we'll stop there. Wow, that was hard to read. Okay, so I hope you all liked and enjoyed this. Um TV stuff, S- stuff about TV, Lucia Ball was definitely a very talented actress, she could make you laugh, she could make you say what the heck is going on, she was very good, she dyed her hair if she had to, she did what she had to do to pursue her dreams, and I hope I can do that, I hope I can be as good as her, where I can pursue my dreams and do what I want to do, and be ready. And I hope that if you can follow your dreams, go through the hoops if you need to, but not too many hoops. Nothing dangerous or sexual, but just, like, do small parts if you have to. Do small steps to work your way up. I hope you have a great and wonderful week, and if you want to check out True Creepy Things and True Crimes, check out my Patreon, Hope. Bye for now. Some facts about pandas. The bamboo bear. It was once thought that the giant panda might be related to the raccoon. However, scientists has since proven that it is a member of the bear family. The giant panda is officially classed as a carnivore, meat-eater, though its diet is more likely that of an omnivore, plant-eater. The vast variety of a giant panda's diet consists of bamboo due to an effective digestive system. They need to eat large qualities to get the nutrients they need. A giant panda can spend 14 hours a day eating and will typically eat 11 to 18 kg in one day. 99% of this bamboo. But they will also eat fish, eggs, and small animals if the opportunity arises. In the wild, giant pandas are a territorial and generally solitary animals. Let's see if we have an ad break for today, our sponsor. Ad break, ad break, ad break, ad break. Sponsor, 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 sponsor. And before we go to ad breaks or sponsors, let's get a little bit of a... Welcome back. I am your host, the Susan Anime O'Hagan, or you could just call me Anime. Either one is fine by me. Today we're going to be talking about The Haunted Halfways for our TV show. The Haunted Halfways is an American television supernatural sitcom that began airing on Nickelodeon July 13, 2013 and ended on March 5, 2015. It tells the story of a single mother and her two daughters who moved into a home occupied by three ghosts, a single father, a single father and his two sons. The family solves their problems using ghost powers and normal human methods. The series tells the story of a mother named Michelle Hathaway moving her two daughters, Taylor and Frankie, to New Orleans, where they open a bakery. They come to find out that the house is haunted by Ray Preston and his two sons, Miles and Louie, as they are actually ghosts. The families learn to live with each other and tackle everyday problems together. Main characters. Okay. Taylor Hathaway, the first daughter of Michelle Hathaway and the older sister Frankie Hathaway. As seen in the first episode, she is a talented gymnast who cares about her work and is easily agitated by, the fam- by her family and the Prestons. She's a teenager, that's what happens. Miles Preston, the oldest son of Ray and older brother of Louis, he is the most well-mannered of the Preston ghost and tries the hardest to socialize with humans, especially Taylor. Mm, Especially Taylor. Miles does his best to help Taylor with her problems, but he tends to do more harm than good. Louis Preston, the son of Ray Preston, and his Miles Preston's younger brother. He tends to be rude and a little bit on the scatter side. He loves haunting and scaring people, though he hasn't quite mastered it yet. Louis doesn't understand why the halfaways have to live with them in their house and isn't. Always so nice to the Half but he gradually accepts them and becomes especially good friends with Frankie. Frankie Hathaway, the second daughter of Michelle Hathaway, and the younger sister, and the younger sister to Taylor Hathaway, she is considered strange by her peers and embraces the idea of living with ghosts. Frankie doesn't easily get along with her older sister Taylor because they have different ways of dealing with things. Frankie and Louie have a complicated relationship because Frankie is often better at scaring people than he is, but they are still best friends. In the episode Haunted Doll, it was revealed that her full name is Francesca. Francesca. Okay. Michelle Halfway, the good-hearted single mother of Taylor and Frankie. She is divorced and along with her two daughters, Liz, with the Prestons. Michelle is a skilled baker who owns a bakery called Pie Square. Michelle tries to get along with her daughter Taylor, but they always think of things differently, and their problems tend to be conversal. Michelle and Ray also find a complicated relationship because of their different styles of parenting. As Ray Preston, the father of Miles and Louie, as seen in the first episode, he plays the saxophone. Ray prefers a laid-back lifestyle, so he isn't very good at disciplining his sons when they misbehave. Emma, a girl on Taylor's dramatic team, and goes to Taylor's school who tends to not understand much of what people around her do, Emma is also very clumsy and ditzy. Meadow, a girl who joins Taylor's gymnastics team and becomes Taylor's best friend. After an incident in the halfway house, she gains the ability to see ghosts and soon becomes friends with Miles. Not knowing that Miles is a ghost. She however does find out about Miles and her new found ability is fine with it. Uh, Scott Thompson, a boy who Taylor has a crush on and becomes her boyfriend and Lily, a girl who attends the same school Taylor Halfway attends and is on the school's gymnastics She does not appear until season two. Sophie, a girl who attends the same school, Taylor Hathaway attends, and is one of the school's, gymaxi- on the school's gymnastics team. A uh, uh, Penelope Pritchard, Tin Pritchard Tin, Pritchard Tin, a girl who attends the same school as Frankie Hathaway and is known for her crazy obsession with dolls. She is very wealthy and doesn't like Frankie that much. Madame Leboeuf, a mystical and spiritual woman who makes a living by exercising unwanted ghosts. Mrs. Dobson, Louis' teacher at Incheboard Crane Academy. Nickelodeon ordered the series pilot directed by Bruce Leonard in August 2012 and ordered 20 episodes in January 2013. On January 21st, 2013, six additional episodes were picked up, bringing the first season up to a total of 26 episodes. On October 21st, 2013, Nickelodeon renewed The Haunted Halfways for Season 2. The second season started airing on June 28, 2014. The series was filmed at Paramount Studios in Hollywood, California. Last episode aired March 5th, 2015. The series originally premiered on July twenty on um, July 13, 2013 on Nickelodeon. It premiered on YTV on October 7, 2013 and Nickelodeon Australia, New Zealand on November 25, 2013. It premiered on the British Nickelodeon on November 5, 2013. Asian Nickelodeon premiered the same series on November 8, 2013, And African Nickelodeon on December 9, 2013. Reruns of the series aired on Nickelodeon until March 19, 2015. The series returned with reruns on May 2015 in the United States on Nicktoons and T Nick. This series is available on Netflix and on Paramount. That's where I watched it a lot. The Hunted Hathaways have generally received a positive re- reception. David Hinkley of New York Daily News says that it was the tradition of smashing two very different families together and having a normal level of sitcom zaniness compound by the unexpected appearance of Supernatural. He enjoyed the idea of a traditional sitcom every once in a while. Sonny Silvia of the AV Club claims it to be unique and slightly convoluted she also said that it has an interesting gender and Richard Cool breakdown ratings the series premiered on July 2013 on July 13 2013 and scored a 3.3 3 million views after a brand, brand new salmon cat the ep- next episode aired The next episode that aired scored 2.8 million views as of November 24th, 2020, ah, as of November 2014, the most watched episode is The Pilot with 3.31 million views. The second most watched episode is Haunted Sleepover with 2.8 million views. The least watched episode is Haunted Revenge with 1.23 million views, In Australia Pilot received... 47,000 views making it the third most watched Nickelodeon broadcast that day. The same episode received 138,000 views in the United Kingdom. Okay, awards. Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. Favorite TV actor Benjamin Flosh Jr. Nominated. Um. Imogen Award, Best Young Actress, Amber Montan. Imogen Award, Best Young Actor, Benjamin Flores Jr. Writers Guild of American, oh, they, Writers Guild of America Award. Children's Script Episode and Specials, Bob Smiley for Haunted Heartthrob won, and Benjamin won the best. Young Actor Award. Writers Guild, um, children's script, um, Boosie and Jamie for Haunted Sister, nominated. (laughs) NAACP Image Award, outstanding performance by a youth in a young, youth children's program, Chris Harris, nominated. That was a lot in that sentence so yeah this show only sadly has two seasons i think if they ever wanted to do something they could like make it an anime and have like the original cast play the voices that would be so cool because i've been wanting to know like hey uh how did they like die how does ghosts work in this world um i wanted to know like give me some more and you could do so much more with like Animation Like turn some of the old stuff that doesn't have like an ending with endings like animation if they're like oh they grew up so we can't really do that then either put on some makeup for them or do animation that'd be cool. Some facts about pandas. The bamboo bear. It was once thought that the giant panda might be related to the raccoon however scientists has since proven that it is a member of the bear family. The giant panda is officially classed as a carnivore, meat eater, though its diet is more likely that of an omnivore, plant eater. The vast variety of a giant panda's diet consists of bamboo due to an effective digestive system they need to eat large qualities to get the nutrients they need. A giant panda can spend 14 hours a day eating and will typically eat 11 to 18 kg in one day, 99% of this bamboo. But they will also eat fish, eggs, and small animals if the opportunity arises. In the wild, giant pandas are territorial and generally solitary animals. Let's see if we have an ad break for today. Our sponsor, ad break, ad break, ad break sponsor 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 and before we go to ad uh, breaks or sponsors let's get a little bit of a Talk about the Haunted Thundermans. It's a crossover episode. The Haunted Thundermans is the 15th episode in the season two of The Thundermans and is a Halloween crossover special with the series Haunted Hathaways. Summary: a supervillain escape ghost world on Halloween and the Thundermans heed Head to New Orleans to join forces with the Hathaways and the Prestons to defeat the ghoul. However, saving the day gets complicated when superpower trick or treat sibling jealousy, evil villains, and teen romance get in the way. Yeah, that sounds like a lot for one episode. <laughs> Miles and Louis Preston get lost in Ghost World and find themselves by the ghost world prison for the criminally insane. Miles and Louie. Miles tells Louie that Louis, that this is the place that was built to build the most ruthless criminals ever. The Green Ghoul. The Green Ghoul was too close to taking over the world until he was stopped by Hank Thunderman. Louis accidentally cracks the prison wall causing the green ghoul to escape. The green ghoul vows to finish what he had started, destroy the mighty Thunderman. In Hiddenville, Phoebe is looking for her eyeliner to finish up her Halloween costume to go to Cherry's party, but Max makes fun of her. He says that Halloween is lame because people have to dress in stupid costumes and go on borrowing candy. He tries to get Dr. Klauso to support him, but Klauso's is already in a costume. Billy and Nora come downstairs already dressed for Halloween. The Halloween plans are cut short when the Thunder Monitor announces an emergency transmission from the Hero League. Super President Kickbutt. Contact tells t- Hank, and- Hank that Green Ghoul, one of the- Hank's worst villains, has escaped from prison. She then shows them a hologram of Louis, saying that the boy was seen around the prison and was raced all the way to New Orleans. She asks Hank to come out of retirement and capture the ghost, since he is the only one who has been able to defeat him. Hank asks the entire family to go with him to New Orleans because it's not safe for them to stay behind without him since the green ghoul could come looking for him. In New Orleans, Taylor Halfway talks to her boyfriend Scott about attending Chad's Halloween party, but Scott declines because he has to administer medicine to homeless dogs for people and pet partner forever. Taylor gets mad and says that she will look for someone else who doesn't leave her alone on Halloween. The southern arrive at Michelle's Halfway Boys, Pie Square Bakery in New Orleans, where the Hero Elite tracks them. Hank gives them a special protective amulet called the Demon Bling, made of demonite which would protect them from ghost possession. If a ghost ever possessed one of them, it could combine its powers with their powers and become unstoppable. Michelle welcomes the Thundermans to the bakery. Phoebe explains to Max about being forced to come to New Orleans, missing her psh, Harry's Halloween party. Max takes off his amulet, arguing that he doesn't want to ward off Gringold, he wants to catch him. If he takes down the greatest villain ever, then he would be the greatest. Phoebe tells him that Green is a level 13 ghost but Max says he has a ghost zapper machine which detects ghosts. He turns on the device and it starts beeping as if it is detecting a ghost. Phoebe mocks him thinking that the device is a false alarm. In the kitchen Frankie half away complains to Lily about the mayor pining post of her all over town. Where are people to give her only one piece of Halloween candy? Louie promises to help Frankie using his ghost powers. He tries to levitate a table near the couch where Billy and Nora are seated. He fails terribly, Nora asks him if he wants to go to the bathroom, Louie freaks out because he didn't expect Nora to see him since he is a ghost. He runs back to the kitchen screaming. He tells Frankie and Miles what just happened. Billy and Nora wave at them. Miles waves back. Then Miles says that the kids must have the gift of true sight which lets humans see ghosts. Miles goes into finding out who the people are. Miles jumps into the Thundermans suitcase to snoop around and realizes that they are the Thundermans. He freaks out about seeing his favorite hero, the Thunderman. He tells them that he is a ghost. Taylor and Michael come over to figure out what is happening. Michelle tells, t- tries to deny that they have ghosts, but Miles says it's okay because the Thundermans have the gift, like all the other superheroes. Hank says he's not a superhero, but then Billy uses his super speech. Max recognizes Louis as the pumpkin boy. Miles' dad, Ray Preston, comes to find out what's happening. He scares Barb, causing her to burn Frankie's poster with her electrical powers. Michelle closes for the day that they can work together with the Thundermans to figure out what is going on. Thunderman explains to the Halfways and Prestons everything about green ghoul and why they need to catch him. Max goes to hang out with Taylor, mistaking her for a ghost, but when Taylor starts asking him about bully advice on what to do with Scott, Max says he doesn't care and walks away. Taylor continues talking. Max freezes her. Phoebe unfreezes her and explains that Max is a jerk. Phoebe and Taylor talk warmly. Warm. Quickly warm up to each other. Frankie goes to Billy and Nora and asks them to go trick or treating with her. As they wait for their dad to catch green ghoul, she invites them to her bedroom to become her wingmen. This makes Louie jealous. Chad arrives at the Halfway's to pick up food for the party. Taylor's surprised that Chad seems more social than usual. Chad invites Phoebe to the party as well. Which Phoebe r- rapidly accepts. Taylor is excited to go to the party with her new girlfriend, Phoebe. Anything to get away from her family. Max ghost zapper starts beeping again. He declines even before he's invited. Chad leaves and stares at them through the window. His eyes glow, glow mm. green. Michelle is concerned that it, it might be not be safe for the girls to go to the party where there's green ghoul around but Miles offers to help. He asks if he can be Phoebe's sidekick, the plunging <laughs> phantom. PP. Phoebe accepts and lets Miles come along. Ray joins Hank in building a cage for the ghost. Hank doesn't want anyone, doesn't want any help but Ray says he wants to do it so that he can Make Miles proud of his dad. Max sneaks into the room while trying to escape to catch the green ghoul, but Hank catches him. Hank asks Max not to go after the ghost alone because it's very dangerous when Max says that he wants to do it so that he can make it to become a great Supervillain Hank tells Max to stop pretending he is a supervillain. It's just the phase and he needs to grow out of it. With encouragement from Dr. Colosso on his shoulder, Max sneaks out to hunt the green ghoul while disobeying his dad. Mm-hmm. Frank creates an army of Billy and Nora to share her evil plan on how to get as much candy as possible from trick-or-treating. Louie wants to help Frank wants to help, but Frankie says he is useless now that she's got superheroes on her side. At the party, Taylor tells Phoebe that she's still getting texts to Scott and worries that she scared him by threatening to bring another boy to the party. Phoebe tells her it's okay, Scott needs to be scared. Taylor notices that Chad is checking Phoebe out. Taylor walks away to give Phoebe and Chad a chance to talk. Miles interrupts Chad and Phoebe's conversation. Chad glows his green eyes again. Max then walks in and tells Phoebe that he's detecting extreme ghost activity at the party. It first leads him to Miles, but then he realizes that there's another ghost at the party. Unfortunately, Max tracks, tracking is interrupted when the party guard comes over to kick him out. He runs to Taylor and grabs her hand. He lies to the guard that he's Taylor's boyfriend, plus one for the party. Taylor agrees to save Max, but that then Amanda takes a picture of Taylor holding hands with Max and threatens the post that online to expose Taylor for cheating on Scott. Taylor forces Max to help her get the phone and delete the photo before Amber posts it. Chad takes Phoebe outside for a stroll. He asks Phoebe to let him have a look at her amulet and Phoebe accepts. Phoebe wonders how Chad knows so much about the amulet. Chad reveals that he's not actually Chad. The green ghoul comes out of Chad's body and possesses Phoebe. Oh no, that's not good. Ghoul Phoebe says that with his powers combined with Phoebe's powers he will be able to take over the world. But first, to get revenge on Thunderman, he knocks Chad aside and makes a huge evil laugh. Tell her Max continues searching for Amber to delete the photo. She says Max walks too slow for a superhero, but Max reminds her that he's a supervillain. He also tells her that Taylor reminds him of Phoebe, not a compliment. Max says even if they don't delete the photo, it's not a big deal, but Taylor is worried about being accused of cheating. Max mistakes another girl for Amanda and drowns her phone in a punch. In a punch? As Taylor points out that that's the wrong phone, she gets a notification that Amber has posted the photo. Her life is over, but On the bright side, Max looks good in the photo. Max. I'm still here, don't worry. (laughs) I was a little hot, so I was fanning myself. But let's get back to the story. Okay, Green Ghoul. Phoebe continues to practice. Phoebe continues to practice perceive Phoebe's powers in the garden while Phoebe tries to kick him out of her body. Miles comes over to talk to Phoebe about the possessed Phoebe freezes him. Green Ghoul then heads home to the halfway house to destroy Hank Thunderman. Nora, Frankie, and Billy manage to collect a huge pile of candy and put it in a wagon. The three work together to scare off other kids from getting any candy. Nora asks Frankie to go home. But Frankie wants the First, show the mayor, who runs the town. She starts dragging the candy wagon, but it breaks down. Other kids dress the zombies. Attack Frankie's team for stealing candy away from them. Nora uses her laser power to drop a tree branch on and slow down the kids. It doesn't work. Hank and Ray start arguing on how to finish up the cage. Hank blames Ray for not doing anything, despite wanting to prove something to Miles. Barb stops him from fighting. Michelle brings a video surveillance showing evidence that Chad is possessed by the green ghoul. They plan to go to the party and stop the ghoul. Chad, before hurting Taylor and Phoebe, Louis offers to get the address that Taylor left unfortunately he locks the parents inside the cage. Hank says that he built the cage so that only only non-ghosts can open it from the outside. They are trapped. Louie teleports to the party to warn Phoebe and Taylor. He finds Taylor and Max and informs them that Chad is possessed by the green ghoul. Taylor and Max run to the garden only to find the real Chad lying on the ground. Max is already is ready to attack Chad in order to save his sister. But Chad has no clue what's going on. He doesn't even know why he isn't dressed as Ray Scratchers as he planned. Taylor figures out that the ghost is no longer inside Chad's body. Taylor wonders why the ghost would leave Scott's body. Dr. Claus pops out of Max's bag and says that he knows why. Taylor is surprised to see a talking button. Really? You're surprised about that? You live with ghosts and they're superheroes. You're surprised by a talking rabbit? Are you sure? You live with ghosts. But okay, be surprised by a talking rabbit. That makes perfect sense. Okay, sure. That's just weird to me. Okay, uh... Surprised to see a talking bunny. Klaus and Taylor have a heated argument about Taylor cheating on Scott with Max. Max shuts them up so they can focus on finding Phoebe. The green ghoul, Phoebe reveals herself to call Max, to. reveals himself to Max calling Max. Brothers, Max gets the ghost zapped ready to zap, zapper ready to zap, green ghoul. Ghoul, Phoebe then talks and Phoebe's voice saying that Max would never hurt his sister. Max proves him wrong by telling him to check his recent bite marks on Phoebe's ankles. Green ghoul then uses Phoebe's telekinesis to throw the ghost supper away from Max. Max tells Taylor to stand aside so he can fight with the green ghoul Phoebe. The two start fighting using both their powers. Max's fighting skills impress the green ghoul so much that he offers Max a chance to join him and work with him. Max declines despite Dr. Colosso insisting that they should hear him out. Gringle is disappointed that Max turned down his offer. He knocks him down and walks away, calling Max a pretender. Taylor notices the frozen Miles. Max freezes Miles and asks him to teleport him and warn the rest. Unfortunately Miles' powers can't work because of being frozen. Scott catches Taylor holding Max to wipe out blood from his lips. He confronts Taylor about the photo with Max and for finding him holding Max. Max excuses himself to go fix the problem at the bakery. Taylor tells Scott that she has to go after Max. Although Max means nothing to her, Scott gets confused. Phoebe arrives at the Halfway's Bakery, making the parents reveal that she is okay. Hank explains the situation and asks her to unlock him out. She lets Hank outside, but lets the rest remain in the cage. She then reveals herself as the Green Goal, coming for revenge. Hank asks the Green Gull to leave his daughter alone. Of course the Green Ghoul refuses. Having superpowers and ghost powers makes him unstoppable. Hank and the Green Ghouls start fighting. Louis Talbert's back in back to join Nora, Billy, and Frankie. He finds them still fighting off of their kids. He offers to help by transforming into a UFO looking like an object. He raises above the ground and sends them. Some sends beams to scare the kids. Billy convinces them that he's candy-stealing alien and the kids run away, leaving Norbil and Frankie alone. However, Louie is unable to control his UFO and keeps using, keeps rising up in the sky. Green gold Phoebe is overpowering Hank. He lifts and drops him, breaking Michelle's coffee table. Ray asks Hank to use his superpowers, but Hank refuses to fight his daughter. Just about then, Max enters and asks Hank to fight his son instead. He announces that he is joining sides with the Green Ghoul to provide prove that he is no pretend supervillain. Hank and Barb are disappointed. Ghoul, Phoebe asks Max if he really wants to join him. To prove that he will be okay with throwing his dad. Max says it's all good. Max starts making a speech as he walks towards Hank. Explaining that he is evil. And before Hank goes, he should know one thing. Max would never turn against him. Max then quickly attacks the unaware ghoul Phoebe. Before the ghost recovers, Max singles Miles to come in. Miles possesses Phoebe. Ray worries that two ghosts possessing the same person could be dangerous, but Miles promises that he can do it. Miles successfully kicks the Gringle out of Phoebe's body. The parents are pleased to have Phoebe back. Taylor unlocks the rest of the parents from the cage evil ghost villain materializes into a human form and swears to destroy all of them. Ray uses his ghost powers to stop him from snipping while Miles tries to freeze him. Max tries to freeze him. Max asks Phoebe to do a double freeze but Phoebe reminds them that if their freeze breath ever touches they would freeze the entire city. Max says they will be careful. The Thunder Twins use their freezing powers on the Green Goal at the same time. He freezes, Ray and Miles tries lifting him into the cage, but he's too heavy for them. Hank Thunderman then carries him with so much ease into the cage and locks him again. Ray tells Miles that he can see why Thunderman is his number one hero, but Miles quickly corrects him saying that he was always Miles' number one hero. Hank thanks Phe- Max. Hank thanks Max and Phoebe for their work and apologizes to Max for thinking he couldn't handle himself. After everything has settled, Max expresses to Phoebe how happy he was to work with Thunderman. Phoebe promises she might consider him if she ever needed a sidekick. Max. Oh, Miles expresses to Phoebe how happy he was to work with Thunderman. Phoebe promises she might consider him if she ever needs a sidekick. Max tries to cheer up Taylor, but Taylor is too worried that she's lost a really good guy. Scott arrives saying that they need to talk. Taylor says that these guys are super friends from Sweden. Phoebe fakes a bad Swedish accent to convince Scott. Max stands up and tells Scott that he pulled Taylor away because he likes her but also she talks about with Scott. He assures Scott that Taylor really likes him. Scott is pleased to hear Taylor cares about him so much. Taylor thanks Max and says she's not he's not such a bad guy after all. Max tells her to keep that to herself because he has a reputation to uphold. Colosso is disappointed in Max for saving his dad, Phoebe and, and Taylor, so he poops in Max's bag. Seriously, Colosso. Okay, and now let's do I wanted to check on the green rule. Okay, Green Ghoul is one-time character in The Thundermans. He appears on the first Halloween special. Hon- <sighs> hum- t- Thundermans. He's a ghost that was once imprisoned by Hank Thunderman, but escaped after Miles and Lily accidentally freed him. He took control of Phoebe and almost killed Hank. But was fooled by Max. He battled the Thundermans and Halfaways, and was defeated when Phoebe and Max combined their ice breath, and Hank threw him into the ghost cage. Green Ghoul once attempted to take over the world. He almost succeeded, but was stopped by Hank. When in ghost jail, he was freed when Louie made a crack in the wall in order to get revenge on Hank. Green Ghoul possessed Chad to get close to Phoebe. Eventually, Max realized that he was the Green Ghoul with the O' tracking device, but Phoebe didn't believe him. After the possessed Phoebe, Max tried to fight him off, but he fled and went straight to the Halfaway's house to deal with Hank, noticing that the adults were accidentally imprisoned. The Green Ghoul only frees Hank in order to deal with him personally. As Max and Taylor enter the room, Max was offered the chance by the Green to become a real supervillain by joining him. As it first appeared that Max was willing to accept the offer, he attempts to ice breath him a few times. After being kicked out of Phoebe's body miles, Max and Phoebe both combined their ice breath on him, successfully freezing and imprisoning the Green gold. Hank then uses his super strength to throw the Gringle into the ghost cage, and he was then sent back to jail. And now we're all winded down. I hope you all enjoyed my podcast about movies, TV shows, books, and games. And I hope you all have a great and wonderful week and a weekend. If you want to hear more of me, I do have other podcasts as well on Acast, so you can check those out, and I also have a kids podcast as well called Gummy Bears Podcast, Leia. that if you want to hear more of me during the weekend, you can, but I hope you all have a great, wonderful week, and I hope you all enjoy this, and I just tell you my opinion, facts about the show, hopefully we could. Agree to disagree or you could give me your opinion. I could take it into consideration. and You could take mine into consideration And I really do enjoy doing this you guys are my fans and I love you and you guys are so wonderful social butterflies And you're so generally a great a wonderful butterfly gem. I hope you all have a great and wonderful fluffy day and Don't forget to check on my other stuff. I do have a YouTube channel as well, which is named, which is named, I just, the Susanna May O'Hagan Sweetie M Uniquely Sauce. And I will give you a little bit of facts. Um, sauce only go to the bathroom, once a week on the ground that is it just a fun fact a little bit about salsa i thought you might enjoy okay over and out bye for now love my uniquely gem butterflies fly off and enjoy bye for now